welcome to the second episode of season four of Screen of Consciousness podcast about films and television. Uh, and it does make us feel a bit old, Jonathan, doesn't it? Season four already. Um, oh, I can't believe it. Please remember that you can find us and interact with us on Instagram at S of C podcast and on Facebook at S of C podcast as well. And on Twitter at Screen of C. We would love to hear from you. We will have some, as usual, some controversial and some uh, no-holds-barred opinions and takes on more recent films this episode. Because in this episode, Jonathan, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be talking about the films that we watched in 2021. Because as you know, loyal listeners, last year we did an episode um, in season three of all the films that we were looking forward to in 2021. Not that there were that many because of all the COVID stuff. And uh, as Dimitri just found out, a lot of those films got pushed back to 2022. So a lot of the films we even mentioned haven't even come out yet, which is really interesting. Um, so One yeah, of them j- has actually just come out. I, I, I noticed because when re-listening to, uh, to that episode in preparation for this one, I suddenly was struck by, oh goodness, I haven't seen uh, Death and Denial by Kenneth Branagh. And I, I really wanted to. And then I saw that it's just is coming it's out just been in released. Russia this weekend. Okay. Uh, so I will actually go, hope to go and see tomorrow. Well, there you go. There you go. Hopefully it's good. I mean, definitely not. I, lo- I love the 1970s version. What a great version. It is good. And there's and so it's a good many book. good actors in that. It is a great book as well. You're right. But anyway, we're not, we're not here to talk about that because neither of us have seen it. We're going to talk about what <laughs> no. we actually did see. Now, I know, Dimitri, you were really looking forward to one specific film, which was June. So yes. please, uh, did it live up to your expectations? No, it did not. Uh, for, for, oh for once, I, I, I certainly can't uh, pretend to be uh, original uh, because as so many, many film fans in the world, I just felt that Dune would be the number one film of 2021. Mm-hmm. And f- for all I know, maybe it was because I have to say, sadly, uh, in preparation for this episode, I realized that I don't... I can't remember a single film that came out last year that I actually really liked. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, June, I felt was a letdown. I thought it was was spectacularly made. Um, Mm. The soundtrack was too much, as usual, from Hans Zimmer uh, these days, in my (laughs) opinion. We love his soundtracks, don't we? Um, (laughs) Well, this one was less aggressive and more just... Okay. Okay. Uh, but it, it it does wear on you after two and a half hours. Um, and also, I mean, <laughs> nothing happened in the film. And, and you know, it takes a lot for me to say that. This is usually your critique. That's true. But n- genuinely, almost nothing happened. Many reviewers, even while praising the film, kind of agreed with that because um, Denis Villeneuve, the director, took the decision to split a long and, you know, it's like a very grand story mm. into two films. Oh, no. I don't blame him. But it's kind of felt like this whole film was like setting up what was going to happen in the next film. It was definitely too long because it was, I think, two and a half hours, maybe longer. And wow, there was not enough story for that. And then, of course, my constant criticism, and boy, is it relevant here, I think, was the actress. I mean, the leads were played by Timothy Chalamet, mm-hmm. who I felt was just nothingness. Mm-hmm. Um, and the girl he dreamed of, who doesn't really have a part in this film, I gather she will have a, a greater part in part two, mm-hmm. was played by Zendaya, played mm-hmm. by, that's, I think, pushing it a bit. <laughs> Zendaya <laughs> appeared in the film. 
Okay. <laughs> and I have never been less convinced of a man having dreams of a woman than, than Timothy Chalamet dreaming of Zendaya because she was just so bland. I mean, blandness personified. No screen presence. Not uh, particularly attractive, I have to say, uh, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and just boring. But then even, I mean, the film had like Josh Brolin and... Oscar Isaac, which who aren't bad actors, but they were bland as well. So I guess mm. one does think whether the the director had something to do with it, or the book just isn't a great character piece. Mm. Well, I mean, we 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 say this all the time, don't we, about act about um, actors nowadays just being really bland. And as you said, it's hard to know if it's their talent or if it's the directors, or as I know, if it could be the producers and the executive producers meddling in things. So it's it's mm. it's hard to know, but it's a shame you didn't like it because obviously you were really looking forward to it, and I'm kind of shocked to hear it's going to be it was split into two. I assume the second one is coming out because there were so many problems with this one coming out in the first place. Are they just shelved it, or is it actually going to come out? No, I mean, th they haven't filmed it yet, so it's not it's not oh. like Lord of the Rings where they did one and split into two. Uh, oh dear! But the second one, I believe, is coming out. I mean, this was. Uh, relatively successful as he'd made 400 million dollars at the box office you know coming out during the pandemic I think that's not bad yeah uh, and of course it was you know I'm sure it made money on HBO um, what is it yeah. HBO Plus HBO was Max the thing. yeah HBO Max sorry um, uh, okay so yeah uh, uh, let me just say one thing just to really make it clear how how much I was disappointed by it I actually think David Lynch's Dune was better. And okay. Maybe this is maybe heresy to some people, but I felt like Lynch's film was a mess and it was weird and it was rushed because he did the whole story in one film. But there was energy and the lead was played by Kyle MacLachlan, who also mm. played the lead in Blue Velvet and um, Twin Peaks, and mm -hmm. he is a fantastic actor, no mm. doubt. And he was he was good. He was good in the film. Yeah. And I just think Wow, to me, this was an example of how much we've fallen, that now the big young star, Timothy Chalamet, I mean, he doesn't have, hold a candle to Kyle MacLachlan. Come on. I mean, I don't, I don't know who Timothy Chalamet is. So, you know, I don't think I've even seen him in anything. And if I have, I wouldn't know who he was either. So I can't comment, and I haven't seen either film. He's but... a male model. Oh, great. That's just what we need in the acting world, more male models. Um, so, well, that's a shame. But you also watched another film that you were very hyped about, and um, I remember you saying, oh, I can't wait to watch this film. It looks amazing. So uh, please, Dimitri, tell me about the second film you saw that you may or may not have loved. Oh, I didn't love it, unfortunately. I, I'm, oh, I'm no. sorry. I, I, don't, I don't want to, to be a wet blanket um, all the time. But this was, this was nice because it's a film that I actually had, you know, we talked about how we don't follow film news as nearly as much as we once did because... Um, there's little there's to no get excited point. about. Yeah, there's no point. Exactly. Yeah. But this, I just, I think I saw a poster for it in a cinema in Russia or something, and then I went online and saw the trailer. And for once, I actually loved the trailer like I did back in the olden days. It's Old. The film is called Old by mm -hmm. M. Night Shyamalan. Mm -hmm. And I think we both here, as so many people listening, I'm sure will easily agree that M. Night Shyamalan has made some fantastic films mm -hmm. and also that he's really gone off the rails for the last many, many, many films. I mean, I don't remember the last film of his that I actually liked. It's probably Lady in the Water 15 oh. years ago. I was going to say The Village, but you actually like Lady well, in the yeah, Water because uh, no one liked uh, Lady uh, in the Water, so that's interesting. Exactly. I'm more generous because I'm the only one who liked I really like that. I haven't seen um, it, so I can't comment, but that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I think you might actually like it. Um, uh, but old... 
I will give it this, and it's such a frustrating film. Like Dune, I, I'm not saying Dune was terrible. I, I enjoyed it. It was a, a big cinematic experience. I also have to say, I, I have to say, I've watched these films on the big screen, you know, as intended. I've been to the cinema a number of times uh, last year, and I want to go more mm. often this year. Mm. Um, um, Dune was, you know, a, a vi- visually a massive experience. Old, I feel, wasn't really visually as striking as. Um, you know, M. Night Shyamalan's films usually are, mm. but um, it was tense, and it had it just has a fantastic premise, which is you know kind of simple. You're surprised you haven't seen this done before. Maybe some some people have. I, mm. I haven't, um, and I think you know, that is the undeniable talent of M. Night Shyamalan. He can have like a super you know like spoilers in the sixth sense, which I think is his greatest film. Like, what if somebody who is dead didn't know they were dead, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a really interesting premise. It is deep. And of course, M. Night Shyamalan, I think he's a deep director. I I think he's not just about gimmicks. Mm. But then, and then, you know, the ending, I mean, I think it has like, the twist, the explanation of it, I actually think is, maybe it's not like a brilliant twist so much as, it's, I think it's, it makes sense for once, uh, and it's really dark, and it's, I think for all of you people who are interested in this whole endless discussion about uh, vaccines and vaccine mandates, I mean, that certainly plays into that, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to do with, um, um, no, how much, should, I won't spoil it anymore, but yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it. <laughs> it's relevant. It's relevant, I think, to some of the discussions of the day, which again shows that Shyamalan has his finger on the pulse. But somehow, I mean, the kind of, so the twist explanation is good, but the ending, like how, you know, the situation is resolved, I thought was really bland, also surprisingly mm. for Shyamalan. Um, and it's just, it, it was an oh, yeah. underwhelming film, although... Well, this- yeah, I would still I th- urge people to watch it, I should say, because it's I still interesting and it's better than most of what's out there. Yeah, I think when you have a high concept film like that, my my gut reaction is always, it has to have a good ending because, mm. you know, otherwise it's just going to fall apart and that's the problem. You know, there's so many films that have really great concepts and just aren't, just can't deliver properly. And that's why, you know, we love our 90s and naughty thrillers because most of them can deliver and they do deliver. So, um not all of them, but, you know, a lot of them. But anyway, well, that's a mm. shame that you were disappointed because I know how excited you were to see both of them. So it's a bit sad, really. Um, and as you know, the only You've film... You've been watching some Disney films. Tell I have me been, what you as you know. Those. I was going to say, the only film I saw at the cinema last year was No Time to Die. And we know what I thought about that if you listen to the previous <laughs> episode. Um, so the other films I, obviously, as you know, watch it all the time are the, the new Disney releases. So last year there were three, weirdly enough. There was... Uh, so I'll go through them. Um, two of them I didn't like. One of them I did like. So... Should I be positive or negative first? Which one do you think? Let's start with something positive, because now okay, I've cool. been so negative, so, and you will be later as well. <laughs> Disney Pixar's newest film was called Luca. Um, and the premise is strange, because it's very similar to The Little Mermaid. Well, it's almost identical to The Little Mermaid, which is about a boy who is a sea monster who wants to live on the land, because he's very interested in humans. So it's a very similar premise to Little Mermaid, although the rest of the film is not similar at all. Um, and what I really liked about it was the fact that it's not okay. How can I describe it? It's it's got it's got big it's got very, you know very timeless themes. It has good characters. It's not about big things. It's about small relationships, and it's about family, and it's about friendship, and it's just a very nice, warm film. What I also liked about it was it wasn't um, wokeified, 
um, there was nothing woke. I was very concerned that they were going to put some kind of agenda in it, but they didn't put an agenda in it, which was very positive. It was just about two two boys, you know, being friends with, you know, just having a friendship. Um, and then they make friends with a, another girl. And then all three of them are just friends, a bit like Harry Potter. But anyway, um, and um, so, yeah, it, it was it was a nice film. And, you know, the sea, the sea monster bit was kind of secondary to the actual main plot. It was a bit a bit strange. But anyway. I liked it. It was a good, well done Disney Pixar, especially coming after some of the other films that they watched, like Onward, which we know you loved, Dimitri. Um, so oh, I think no. Disney Pixar have gone back to kind of making good films that have emotional, resonant themes. Um, although this one, I wouldn't say was a high concept like, you know, Inside Out or something like that. Mm. Um, so moving on to the other two Disney films. So the first Disney film that came out last year, the one of the Disney animated classics, was called Raya and the Last Dragon. Now, And speaking of agendas, right? <laughs> Yes. Now, what upset me about this film was the premise is very strong and they they wrote a great world. So they, they have a fantasy world. It's all about dragons and um, there's lots of fantastical creatures and, you know, magic and stuff. They create a brilliant world and then they can't do anything with it. The storyline is very weak. The main character, Rhea, once again, as we talked about on many of our podcasts, they think that people nowadays think that a strong female character means she has to be emotionless and um, completely hard, not having any kind of personality. And that's exactly what the protagonist is like. Ray is very dislikable. She's very just cold. She's just a cold character. Um, and also the main antagonist, who's also a woman, which to me makes no sense. I think this is one time when I actually genuinely thought the antagonist has to be a man because her character is basically a male character, but they've just made her a woman because they obviously were like, oh, we have to put a woman in as the villain for some reason. Um, she's just a very weak character as well. And what's really striking about this film is once again, because the, the two lead f women characters are so bland, the only two male characters in the whole film actually stand out above them and just become the best, the best characters in the whole film. Um, so there's two supporting men who are hilarious. They're really funny, great characters. And it's, it's once again, we've said this before, it's just a shame that we can't have well-written female characters that can stand on their own. Um, and that, you know, you have to push the male characters down to try and raise the women ones up. But obviously it doesn't even, it doesn't even work. It didn't work in this film. And the dragon itself, I mean, oh, let's, let's just be real about something. No one's ever going to be as good as Robin Williams in Aladdin, okay? Robin Williams was a one-off. It's never going to happen again trying to make Robin Williams as a genie in another film is never a good idea. They try it in Rare and the Last Dragon with the dragon because they have like this sass talking dragon who's meant to be like the genie and boy oh boy does it not work. I don't think I laughed at any of the jokes that she made and what makes even more even less sense Dimitri and I, I think you know I'll stop talking about this now but what makes less sense is the dragon says so this is set in a fictional fantasy world that's obviously kind of you know, the Middle Ages or something. There's no modern technology in it. A lot of the jokes that the dragon makes are about, like, social media and, like, the Kardashians and things. And although I say Aww. this critically, in Aladdin, obviously, the genie does that. But somehow it works in Aladdin because it's Robin Williams. You know, he makes loads of cultural references and we don't think it's out of place. But in this film, it's completely out of place. And I think it's because the tone, obviously, Aladdin is... It's not, I wouldn't say it's a stupid, like, not, I wouldn't say it's silly, but it's more fun. Raya is trying very hard to be serious and dark and, you know, this dark fantasy world. And then when you have a dragon that's kind of meant to be funny and talking about Twitter, it's like, what? 
Why are you talking about things that don't exist yeah. in your world? It doesn't make any sense. So yeah, no, it was. I, I see what you mean, and I, I, I guess this, this is just, if I remember correctly, Robin Williams wrote most of his own dialogue mm. for for Aladdin because he was obviously a brilliant comedian. Yeah. Other than being a brilliant actor, so he could make it work as a writer and an actor both. And yeah, I don't know, I don't know who plays the, um, what's uh, the her female name? Ang- funny Ang- dragon here, but Orc Orcwafina. Do you know how to say her name? <laughs> Aquafina, <laughs> I think I don't know. Yes, I, I mean she's a celebrated comedian, and I don't think she's funny at all. Um, well, she, I think she's she... actually a, a kind of a good actress. I I liked her in the, or at least I liked her in the part, which I think was yeah. So wait, Aquafina, however you say her name. I know she's a rapper and a comedian, but I wasn't laughing at any of her jokes in this film whatsoever. No, I'm uh, yeah, I, I I am surprised. I... Well, as you said, you liked her in that film you saw her in. The farewell, yes. Yeah. I mean, she was she was good in that, but but also it's I think it's based on her life, so maybe she's kind of playing herself. And you know, I think also many actors have like one part in them that doesn't make them a good actor. Yeah, that's certainly true. doesn't make them a good comedian because this is well, actually a drama. Well, well, I think look, I think Raya and the Last Dragon could have been a really good film if the script hadn't been, if the storyline had just been not been butchered basically by woke. Which also moving on to Encanto is the exact same problem we have here. So Encanto has. Well, the premise isn't even that strong, really, actually. I have to say, Encanto is just generally a very weak film. And obviously, everyone's talking about it at the moment because one of the songs from the film became number one on the Billboard charts in America um, called, I think it's We Don't Talk About Bruno, which ironically is the best song in the whole film and probably the best bit in the whole film because the film is weak. And I know that you would definitely dislike it, Dimitri, because it doesn't have a third act. I know that you're not always in love with the three-act structure, but this is a film where it needs a third act and it doesn't have one. It's very strange. The script is odd, and what's even weirder is there's multiple people that wrote the script, which to me suggests that they had a lot of script problems with the film, and they still couldn't fix it. And I think the the problem with this film is, as well, is that um, the message of the film is basically... Without, there's no spoilers here, really. But the whole point of the film is that uh, people are running away. They're in South America. They're in Colombia. They run up. They're running away from. They're being displaced, basically. A uh, woman's husband dies, and then because he dies, magic comes on her family, and then the family basically all have magical powers, and they run a village where they are the leaders, and um, behind a wall. So the kind of message of the story is build walls if you're trying to, you know, keep people out. But obviously, I thought I that was... I heard this point made, actually. Yes, yeah, so, so, but I thought the message was to not build walls, but apparently it's okay to build a wall if you're in Colombia and you have magical powers and you're running away from people, but it's not okay to build a wall if you're trying to stop immigration. So I don't quite so, get So let messages. me get this straight. If you're rich and you live in Hollywood and you have high gates with little spikes on them and armed guards protecting you, from the plebs at all hours. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. But if the plebs don't would like to have some kind of border enforcement for yeah. their safety. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. And also I think if so you have Is Encanto a hit with liberal critics? Yes. But I don't know why, I because see. once again they, they seem to love the main character who is I wouldn't say she's a bad character because she's not a weak character. She's she's an okay character, but they like her because she's meant to look like a normal woman because basically she has, you know, she's not super Barbie 
she's not a Barbie figure, basically. So they love her because she wears glasses and she doesn't have a Barbie figure. But what's really funny is that my niece, who's 10 years old, um, watched the film. And of course, the character she likes the best is the is the main character's sister, who does have a Barbie doll figure and has long, luscious brown hair and looks like a perfect Disney princess. And so people who might be listening to this saying, oh, no, Disney's being so, like, you know, modern by putting this main character in. Well, if you think Disney's really being modern, why did they then have to put a second character in who looks exactly like the main Disney princesses in all the other films? And the answer is toy sales. Um, and because they actually aren't being modern, they're just still doing exactly what they wanted to do, but they just slightly changed it so that people like you can say that they're being different. But they're not being different. I mean, the film... Well, the film is different because it's rubbish, basically. Um, so it's nothing like a Disney princess movie. The, the songs are by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who, you know, Ugh. everyone loves. Why is everything by Lin-Manuel Miranda? I don't know. But as I said, the only good song in the film is the Bruno song, which um, everyone loves. And fair enough, it's a good song. Um, I like that song. I, as I said, I, before it was, I watched it when it came out on Boxing Day here in England. And... I like that one song. I like that one bit. That was the best bit of the film. The rest of the film was weak. So the film's a mess, basically. Um, so it was a shame. But as I said, Luca, all three of those films actually are up for the best animated Oscar. So we'll, well see surprise, which one. Surprise. We'll see which one wins. I Obviously, my I would, I think Luca deserves to win out of it, but I'm sure it won't. I'm sure Encanto will. Um, who knows why? But anyway, so that was, that was 2021 dimitri what can we say about the new films that came out not much really um but we did watch some yeah. other classic films didn't we so I'll, I'll i'll let you speak in a minute i'll just go quickly over what we watched because you told me last year to watch once upon a time in hollywood which was quentin tarantino's newest film and without i don't need to talk about this too much i'll just say for me personally i know you liked it but i knew nothing about the history of this film uh which means it was all lost on me anyway um, and I was texting Dimitri and basically for me, the whole film can be summed up as Brad Pitt drives around in a car for three hours. Leonardo DiCaprio sits on a film set for three hours and Margot Robbie sits in a cinema for three hours. Nothing else happens. And then in pure Quentin Tarantino style, of course, something horrific and disgusting happens at the end and beautiful women have to be horrifically hurt. And it's funny because I was, I was texting Dimitri and I was watching it. I was like, Dimitri, nothing's happening for two and a half hours. Why do I have a feeling that the last half hour is going to be some woman getting their brain smashed in or something horrific happening well, to like, a woman? Those women were bad. I actually, I disagree with you there. They deserved what was coming to them. But re regardless of if they deserve it or not, I mean, Quentin Tarantino can't make a film without women being horribly mutilated, can he? Let's be realistic. Well, he mutilates men as well no i i disagree i don't th i think he's a, an affirmative action mutilator <laughs> really no i don't I, I disagree with you because the man does get killed in that film but not as horrifically as the women i mean come on that woman gets like smashed up shot set on fire drowned or something but she is like a, a, a crazed hippie terrorist yeah but the man doesn't get it. but i'm not saying she doesn't deserve it the man doesn't get horribly killed in the same way that's well, but my in, point uh, is it in Django that a man is castrated i mean I or is it almost castrated i forget now oh i don't Django remember anymore i tried to forget that, that film i don't i, I, tr I just erased <laughs> that film from my brain but anyway so for me the film didn't do anything um which as Johnson said, is wrong. Don't listen to him. It's a great film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one film I did watch, which you told me to watch, which I loved, which was Richard Jewell, which was Clint Eastwood's newest film. And wow, what a great film. I mean, this is 
this is real drama, real cinema, real well-made film with a great cast, like well-made script, directing, acting, everything in it was solid. I mean, such, and also the story is based on a real story. And wow, I mean, what a brilliant film. I'm so glad you told me to watch it, Dimitri. So I'd really recommend everyone out there, if they can, to watch that film because it was really good. I, I'm so. happy to hear it. And Richard Jewell, and I think it, it just has such a moral force as well that you rarely have in modern films. Yeah. Not in a pushing an agenda way, but in actually, well, I would say pushing against an agenda. And it's funny that our friends, the liberal film critics, mostly disliked it. Wow. Because it was calling out them. Well, it was exactly. calling out their misbehavior. Well, there you go. But they're not going to like that now, are they? But um, I know you've w been watching some classic films as well, which we'll have to talk well, about quickly because I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we have to, you know, we have to go soon. We, we will be wrapping up, but uh, and so will our listeners. But um, I mean, classic. I don't know if they're classic, but I've been watching, in some cases, rewatching. In many cases, watching for the first time a lot of '90s thriller action films and I've just remembered how much I love 90s films and like what a great decade it was I think the last good decade mm. at least so far and not just I'm not just talking about films either um, I saw uh, Die Hard 3 again which I have seen before and just thought it was stellar I mean fantastic filmmaking and really kind of politically relevant today as well mm. um, yeah, I saw The Siege for the first time, mm -hmm. um, also really relevant to Dank. Again, a film that's incredibly prescient because it was made three years before 9-11. It mm. came out in 98, but it has kind of this, uh, the whole story is about, you know, um, uh, how far do you go in the fight against terrorism, basically. And mm -hmm. boy, oh boy, can you go far. Um, I saw a film which is, you know, like a throwaway action film in a way. Uh, the Bone Collector with mm -hmm. Denzel Washington yeah. and um, uh, Angelina Jolie. And just thought that, you know, again, compared to so many films today, it's great. You know, it's, it's a really, really uh, yeah. entertaining thriller. Well acted, very well acted by both uh, uh, Denzel Washington and Angelina Jolie. And it is funny now to think that Angelina Jolie has kind of struggled, I think, throughout her career with being accepted as a serious actress. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say she's one of the best, exactly, but she sure wipes the floor with anyone who's playing these hot, young female leads today. Mm. Well, I mean, I'm not... I mean, would you rather have Angelina Jolie or Kristen Stewart? Oh, gosh. Well, who's she, now nominated for an Oscar. I was just about to say, she's been nominated for an Oscar, but... Um, it's interesting because I was never a fan of The Bone Collector, so I feel like I should rewatch it because I didn't like it when it actually came out. But um, that just reminded me of one film that we didn't mention, which, once again, is a funny story. This shows you how much me and Dimitri kind of message one another um, <laughs> in our spare time. I was watching a film, classic 80s film, called Moonstruck because the, oh, yes. I, I, literally the only reason I watched this film, and let's be honest, is because they talk about it in The Simpsons. Because the man who wakes up from a coma, um, it's like, what happened to the Sonny and Cher show or whatever? And he goes, well, she won an Oscar and he became a congressman. And the man's like, good night and falls back into the coma. But anyway, the point is, it's, it's famous. I think he dies. <laughs> oh, I thought he fell into the coma. Oh my gosh, really? Okay, wow. That's I think there's even... a beeping noise. I think he dies. Well, right. that's, a, that's an even darker joke than I remember. But, um, but no, the only reason I knew of this film is because she won an Oscar. And I was like how can Cher won an Oscar for Best Actress? I mean, it just seems unbelievable. But I started watching this film and within about 15 minutes, I was like, this film is a great, this is a great film. 
I knew that Dimitri would love it. I messaged him immediately. I was like, Dimitri, you have to watch Moonstruck if you get the chance. And then, weirdly enough, Dimitri just was like, okay, great, I'm watching it right now. So we're kind of watching it simultaneously. Um, I mean, it's just a classic 80s film, isn't it? It's, it's a film in which it's all about characters. It's all about acting because um, obviously I mean I don't think Cher probably deserved to win best actress but she is a good actress like you know she she plays the part well she, she I mean, has incredible presence at yeah. least and and as she's and it's 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 a great part it's a funny part it's and a good part god help me nick cage is decent in it and i do not like nicholas well, cage i mean i i thought he okay, i guess he plays the part but i think uh, i think he was a bit over the top i think he's a bit over the top in this part but i mean olympia dukakis who plays the fantastic she's amazing isn't she and also what's his name the man the, the dad from fraser that's that's how we would know him um oh gosh it? yes he, he's so lovely i'm trying to John Mahoney. Yes. John Mahoney. He's really good as well. So, like, all the supporting mm. cast in this film are really strong. I would say Nicolas Cage is the weakest one out of all of them, and he hams it up to the max, but I guess he's meant to anyway. But the whole film, once again, it's it's a well-made film. It's a, someone who understands cinema, understands narrative and visual narrative. The film isn't, you know, meant to be, br like, massive. It's not meant to be a big blockbuster, but it's just about, it's about family, it's about love, it's about life. And, you know, we just get to go on a journey with these people. And I think this is what's missing now from modern films. It's just so sad that we can't make a film like this anymore. Um, it's just such but a shame. Also, I would say, I mean, it has a great screenplay based by on a play. And I think you can you can see it's a, it, that it is based on a play. It's written by John Patrick Shanley, who wrote Doubt, you know, the okay. film I always uh, go film. on about, which yeah. I love so much. Um, but you can clearly see, I mean, the man is a great writer and is directed by Norman Jewison, who oh, yeah. is... You know, maybe Very famous, our yeah. listeners don't know his name, but he's made a lot of just real solid quality films over the years. And I've just been surprised, positively surprised to find out he's still alive. Norman Jewison, 95 wow, years be, old. Say he must be pretty going. old, yeah. <laughs> but well, he knows, I mean... But he's made some classics. Limitations, he's made some classics. He knows how to direct films. And yeah. you just don't have this, this effortless visual storytelling. Yeah. You see it so rarely today, I think. Yeah, it's 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 very sad. But um so I guess that's it really for this episode. Although we're gonna you wanted to add a new feature into the show, didn't you? Oh yes, yes, I love my features. <laughs> <laughs> we will now um try ending our episodes uh, with a little segment called The Week That Was <laughs> where we will talk about because we will be recording this uh season for however long it lasts, we haven't decided yet. We will try to record episodes weekly and we definitely will release them weekly for your listening pleasure um, and we'll just wrap up by um, saying what we've been up to mm -hmm. in the last week if anybody is interested who knows you might be uh, we will talk about films and non-films so film wise what what is one film you have seen in the past week that you want to mention Jonathan <laughs> well the film I watched like two days ago um, was called Gods of Egypt uh, and the reason I watched this is because uh, Alex, oh, how do you say his name? Proyas, Proyas, Alex. I think so. Proyas, yeah. Anyway, he directed Dark City, so and you know everyone knows that Dark City is like my favorite film of all time. So I thought I have to watch this film just to see. I mean, I didn't expect it to be a good film. Let's be realistic. Uh, you know, it was critically panned. It was a box office failure. Um, but I was actually pleasantly has surprised. Has beautiful women and has, a beautiful man in Chadwick Boseman. Well, and Nikolai Costa Vandal. So many it, beautiful. It people. has beautiful people wearing not much clothes and getting chased by monsters <laughs> and becoming monsters. And, you know, it's, it's a very, to me, it was, it was very similar to the, the mummy, although it wasn't as dark or as well made. Um, but 
it was, you know, it was just a silly kind of 90s style action romp. And I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was a fun film. You know, that was, it was, it was what it was. I wasn't expecting, you know, the best, the best thing in the world. I just had a great escapist time watching it, you know. Um, yeah, it was a good film. And then what else did I do in my week? Well, as you know, I started a new job. Um, so that was exciting. So what, what film did you watch and what, what happened in your week, Dimitri? Uh, I saw a film that I f- feel like I remember in Blockbuster and in, you know, like the uh, a t- a TV, you know, gosh, when back in the olden days, 20 years ago, when you bought magazines to n- know what was on TV, mm-hmm. uh, it was always there, the sum of all fears. Mm-hmm. And I just, I guess, always felt like the title sounded a bit too much. And um, in keeping with my rewatching older action thrillers, this is from 2002, so early noughties, I saw it and I was just blown away. Honestly, I think it's a fantastic film. It's a Jack Ryan film, uh, apparently a reboot of that series with um, Ben Affleck playing the lead. A brilliant supporting cast, which features Morgan Freeman, um, Philip Baker Hall, Leif Schreiber, James Cromwell, uh, Kieran Hines. And it's such a relevant film today, 20 years later. Watch it, people. It's all about preventing nuclear war between Russia and the United States, which is, you know, eerily relevant, as I sit here in St. Petersburg. <laughs> and I think at least the, two thir- the first two-thirds of it are just a fantastic political thriller with a very, very clever, not prejudiced, not cliched um, views on, you know, how political decisions can get made, mm-hmm. uh, bad ones, mm-hmm. in America and in Russia. Mm-hmm. Um it does end in a bit of like over the top Hollywood action, uh, I think. Uh, but still, great film. I would recommend it to everyone. Mm-hmm. And in non film related views, I'm taking some steps to publish my children's book. I'll be sending it to a new publisher where I've got another publisher to send it in for me, so maybe they'll actually read it. It's mm-hmm. quite difficult uh, to get through that first hurdle of people not reading things they might publish. Um, and I'm also working on a um, on a TV treatment for a series about, uh, well, based on a real-life story involving the Munchausen by proxy syndrome. Oh, sounds interesting. Don't give and anything you know away. The story. We have discussed it. Uh, oh, I, I won't. Um, I, but I'm, I've had it in my mind for a long time. We have discussed it. Uh, yes. Uh, you and I, Jonathan. Yes. And I'm finally uh, preparing to make a pitch to some Russian producers do it there's people out there who will steal so this is why funnily enough in the contract in this job i just started i made sure in the contract that i had some intellectual property rights let's put it that way because i wasn't going to let them steal my ideas so um including this again, podcast right? again exactly including this podcast i wasn't gonna let them take it away from me um, because they always they do contracts in which they try to take everything that you make away from you and uh, that wasn't going to happen to me so anyway you would have thought there are some not so nice people in the film <laughs> anyway but that's it now. We've, we wrap up this episode. I think it was a very, very fun episode. It was good to good to talk to you again, obviously. Um, and yeah, we'll be back next week, won't we, Dimitri? So we sure will. See you and thank you for listening. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.